Our scripture lesson today comes from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. For 61 Sundays, you and I have worshipped online rather than in person. We have missed that moment when we carry a six-week-old baby down the center aisle and watch her yawn or listen to her squeal as we bless her. We have missed chatting in the parlor over a cup of coffee before and after service. I have missed seeing your face while I preach. Sometimes you look puzzled. Sometimes you look bored. Sometimes you weep or smile. Preaching is shared communication, and I miss having you in the room. Someone wrote about six months into the pandemic that when someone asks her, how are you doing? She goes, well, I'm COVID good, meaning under the circumstances, I'm hanging in there pretty well. But not one of us has been unscathed by this global crisis. In the last couple of weeks, several close friends of mine have shared with me, confided in me, that they are struggling with a depression they had not ever known before. One is in his mid-twenties. Another in her mid-fifties has absolutely everything anyone could possibly want, 
and she wakes up every morning depressed. Another is in his 80s and during the pandemic began experiencing what he describes as increased anxiety and just a general malaise. Even introverts have realized during this longer than expected period of isolation that even they need other people. Back in March of 2020, more than 15 months ago now, I was on my morning walk at 6 a.m. with my neighbor, and she's a nurse, and she was getting daily briefings at the hospital on this new thing we were hearing about called COVID. And she told me, you know, I really think churches should close down for a few weeks and then open up for a big Easter in April. I just gasped at the thought of it. That seemed like the craziest idea ever. Close church for three or four Sundays in a row? Wow. It's been 61 weeks. We quickly learned how to stream worship. But it was really odd to come up to church in those early months and preach to a completely empty room. After a month or so, I realized that this might drag on for a while. I remember exactly where I was standing in my home when I heard on the news, on the radio, that the fastest a vaccine had ever been created in the history of the world was three years. Three years, I thought, three years? Today's scripture lesson describes exactly how I felt. The prophet uses graphic imagery from a vision to capture the feeling of being separated from those we love, ripped apart from our community. He calls it a valley of dry bones. The Lord set me down in the middle of a valley, he writes, and it was full of dry bones. Now, in scripture, bones represent the essence of a human person, the deepest part of who we are. Like in Genesis, when Adam is alone in the garden and God creates Eve, Adam rejoices saying, finally, bone of my bones. And in the Psalms, when a person prays to God for rescue, they sometimes say something like, my bones are shaking with terror. Our bones are our essence. The prophet Ezekiel writes to a group of people who are facing a situation very similar to the one that you and I have faced for the last year and a half, only it's possible that their ordeal lasted even longer. About 600 years before the time of Jesus, God's people were captured by foreign invaders and exiled to Babylon. They lost almost everything, their place of worship, their businesses, their neighborhoods, their schools, their friends, even their families. Some were deported to Babylon, and, and there they thrived economically, just like many of us have made money during the pandemic. And some of them were left behind in the rubble of Jerusalem, and they were trying to eke out a living while living under this Babylonian rule, just as many of us have struggled with unemployment or with social isolation. Some of them died, just as we have lost family and friends. Ezekiel has a vision of what the society is experiencing. It He calls it a valley of dry bones. We're good, we're COVID good, but, but we're not where we want to be. We've been cut off 
We've lost the energy and vitality and joy of gathering together. Maybe we look okay, but spiritual atrophy has crept in because we have not been able to gather. But the human longing for community did not begin with the pandemic. The struggle to form vibrant community where people feel loved and supported and whole was already a crisis prior to March of 2020. In 2006, Peter Block wrote a book called Community, The Structure of Belonging. And in 2018, the breakdown in human community in the United States was increasingly a problem. The, the clubs that our parents and our grandparents formed had emptied out or closed. Loneliness was a growing crisis for people of all ages. And so Peter Block released his book again. And in it, he highlights the fourfold premise that he suggests for community. Building social capital by converting the isolation within our communities into a connectedness and caring for the whole. He says we should shift our conversations from the problem of community to the possibility of community. We should bring people together, not people, we should bring people together who are not used to being brought together so that they can have conversations that they are not used to having. I tripped over that one because it's hard to even think about coming together with people we are not used to being with to saying things in conversation in the way that we're not used to. And the fourth is to create a future distinct from the past, one that cares for the common good. But if these four premises were already challenging for all of us back in 2006 and 2018, the beginning on March 15th, 2020, when the world went on lockdown and we covered our smiles with N95 masks, then the task of community became exponentially more difficult. That valley of dry bones, it's been accumulating for some time. About six months ago, an author named Priya Parker was interviewed by Brene Brown on a national podcast. Priya Parker had recently written a book called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. And it was actually that interview that inspired me in part to, to think about this three-part sermon series on the theme of gathering. If gathering is a challenge for our human community, for our society, then surely the Christian faith has something to teach us here. And so I began looking at the scriptures. What text would we use to talk about gathering in community? And I realized that almost any text would do because almost the entire Bible takes place within community. As Americans, you and I sometimes attempt to live an individualistic or privatized version of Christianity, but the stories of faith and the stories of spiritual growth that we read in the Bible, well, they're almost all stories of communal life. The feeding of the 5,000, the people of Israel crossing in mass that Red Sea. Jesus at a wedding turning water into wine. Jesus on a boat in the middle of the storm with a group of his disciples trembling in fear. 
Noah, and two of all in creation on a boat riding out a storm. In her book, Priya Parker says that we often come together like for an event. You know, a baby shower, a family reunion, a dinner party, maybe even church service. But she points out that we, we forget why we are gathering. What is the purpose of the gathering? And what makes a good gathering? And she tells a story about the day she got a phone call from a journalist from a food magazine. And the journalist wanted to get her advice on what makes for a good gathering for a nice dinner party. And, and the journalist was really concerned about how to set the table and, and what kind of food to have. But Priya interrupted and she said, what's the need in your life that by bringing people together you hope to address? And the journalist said, well, I, honestly, I'm a worn out mom who's completely exhausted. And the mom said just recently she had been over to a friend's house and the friend made her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and she cut it in half and placed it on a plate with some carrot sticks. And when she saw that act of hospitality, she burst into tears. So maybe she said, I just, I just want to have a party for exhausted, worn out and frazzled moms. And so that's what she did. She sent an email to six other moms and it said, please come for a worn out mom's hoot nanny. And within 45 minutes of getting her email, all six of them responded, we'll be there. Sometimes we, we gather because our bones are dry. Priya told another story about a woman who was living in the United States when her father died in Germany. The woman flew to Germany for the funeral, and there she, she took care of her mom and supported her mom through this rough patch, and she visited old friends of her dad's, but then she flew back to the United States, and when she got back, she felt so disconnected from her friends here in the United States. They couldn't go to the funeral. They didn't know her dad. And they didn't even know that she was someone's daughter. They just saw her as this really accomplished entrepreneur and a really great mom. And so her grief lingered. She was cut off. Her bones were dry. And so she decided to invite 40 friends to come over to her house. She said, wear black if you want. And she shared a few photos from her father and told stories about him. And as she began to share, she and her friends broke into a raucous laughter because they realized how much she was her father's daughter. She was so much like him. And then after sharing her story, she said, do any of you have any advice on, on coping with loss or on grief that you could share back with me? And people, strangers to one another, they just opened up. And this beautiful exchange of heartfelt sharing not only empowered her as the grieving daughter, but it lifted up the whole community. And then they played a song that dad had loved, and then they broke bread together. What is this mysterious thing that happens when human beings come together? What is it? prophet Ezekiel has a word for it. The word is ruach. It is translated as spirit. When God says to the valley of dry bones, I will put my ruach, my spirit within you. It is also translated as breath. When God says, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. 
In these 14 verses, the word ruach repeats 10 times. God says, I will bring you back. I will open your graves. Oh, my people, I will put my ruach within you, my spirit. Just as God breathed life into Adam and Eve at creation, God breathes life into the community. The vision of Ezekiel, it's a vision of communal resurrection. Now that a vaccine has been created and distributed and we can simply hold up one finger or two and people will know if we're saying we've had our first or second dose, we are beginning to emerge again. We are beginning to be knit back together as a community at picnics and ball games and church. The sinews of communal life are reconnecting. It's a mystery that is difficult to explain, but, but I'm feeling it more and more when I leave the church after a gathering of 20 folks socially distanced, I come home feeling so high, so hopeful. What is that? Recent studies of women and newborns at leading hospitals around the country suggest that women who are supported by their own relatives have lower rates of postpartum depression. I love this one story that comes from the Chinese culture where they have a custom of making this broth of pig's feet cooked in ginger and, and liquid, and they serve it to the new mom in the first month after her baby is born. And it's, it's thought to have both medicinal qualities as well as just nurturing, healing qualities for her spirit. But what, what they found in, in researching this custom is that if I'm the new mom and the braised pig's feet are made for me, by my mother-in-law, I am twice as likely to get depressed than if that broth was made for me by my mother or my sister. The likelihood of depression goes down when we feel that deeper connection. Even our bodies are affected by this emotional connection to the people around us. The author Margaret Wrinkle from Nashville shared a couple of stories about Mother's Day recently. She wrote about the orca whale who carried her dead calf for seven days across a thousand miles of ocean because she just longed to be present to her. And she told about a cow in the field who lost her newborn baby calf and the cow crossed three fields to find her own mother, the grandmother of the lost calf. We have within us a longing for community. We need the ruach, the breath of God that unfolds when we gather together. Well, on the day that we all moved home to work from home for an indefinite period of time, I thought to myself, we better quickly purchase that thing I've been hearing about for some time now called Zoom. I mentioned it to a couple of my colleagues, and, and they shook their heads and said, oh, I don't, think, I don't think so. I don't think anybody will know how to use that. But the Spirit moves us. Ruach works even on Zoom. My parents are in their mid-80s, and they mastered Zoom. And my friend, who was 99 years old, he got his first iPad. 
the invisible spirit of God knit us together. I participated in Mike's Life Worth Living class, and I led a small group. And more than once in our six weeks together, a member of the group broke down in tears. Over Zoom, we shared secrets and dreams and confessed our brokenness and our longing for a life worth living. One night, a couple of months ago, our church board decided that we should interview a group of people who had become a part of the worshiping life of this congregation since COVID began. Many of them live across the country. And so we sat down with them over Zoom and each of them described how they came to our church and found it life-giving and nurturing and challenging and hopeful. And they just raved about the music and the video quality and a word they used repeatedly was intimate. And the board was taking copious notes and then we were about to end the, the meeting and, and turn off Zoom. And one of our guest panelists spoke up and he said, wait, 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 I, I need to say one more thing before we depart. I, I need to tell you this, you literally saved our lives. My wife and I counted on the church service every Sunday at 9.01. You literally saved our lives. But I know, it wasn't us. It was the Ruach who is between us.